Hey everyone, I'm Adam Hergenrother, and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through business success. And I'm joined by the wonderful Hallie Warner. Congratulations to everybody. We are now in uh, 21 different countries for our podcast, so we're super excited. Thank you so much over the last couple of months for listening and uh, for the opportunity to serve you. Um, really interesting, over the last couple of weeks of my life, uh, I've had a lot of death experiences. I've had two people that have been close to me that have died. Um, both of them were grandparents and they were in their 80s. And so that's a fulfilled life. Um, but one of them was unexpected. And then um, one of them was one that was kind of just in process of dying, if you will. Right. And then this morning, before I even got on the podcast, um, one of my other grandmothers, or my wife's grandmother has a couple, maybe a week to live. And so there's been a lot of conversation about death. And um, I've been approaching all of this as just celebrating death, right? And so I know people have that, they're like, typically they mourn for different people or even mourn for their partners and everything. And while there's this sadness that happens for this, man, if you really look at what death is and how it relates to your life um, and how you can change your thinking around it, people won't fear death. And I think... Look, the reason why people fear death in itself is because of their imagination. It's they don't know, they can't put an intellectual context into what death is. And so they fear what the what the unknown is. And when we talk about fear in general, because death in itself is just an just happens, right? Death just happens. And so death itself, there shouldn't be any fear around. The fear that comes around death is around what they don't know or what the unknown is. Now, if you are a spiritual being having a minor physical experience, which I believe that we are, um, then death is not an end. Death is a transformation of energy. So you celebrate the transformation of somebody leaving their physical body and going to life, consciousness, God, whatever word makes sense for you. And it's really fascinating, actually. I walked up to the second death which had an open casket. The first one didn't because she fell and she hit her head. And so I walked the second one and I walk up there and I'm looking at this and I'm looking at this body and it's clear. If you've ever been to, I'm sure you have, but if you ever walked up to a body that is dead or just a body, man, there's no life in there. There's no consciousness in there, right? There's nothing that's there. And what's fascinating is right next to him, there was a picture of him. And I look at the picture and you can see life. Right? You can see consciousness. You can see it all. And I sat there for probably a lot longer than most people have, just kind of per- just in this, just taking it in, right? Ex- experiencing all of this and being like, "There's this body. You can clearly see this. That there's there's no consciousness to this." My how, bro- how, how how does what does that look like? How did you see that? Well, it just looks like a, looks like a just like a you know. Have you ever seen a tree that's alive and a tree that's dead? Right, yeah. like when you look at your Christmas tree and you cut it and you put it in water, it's still alive, but at the end of the season. It, it looks completely different, right? And you just go, well, that tree is dead. There's no life in that anymore. And it's this, it's the exact same type. It just looks like a, it just looks like a, a, a human body that is just decaying, right? And just going back into the world. You can clearly see there's no life in there, right? There's, no, there's not there. My brother-in-law is an intermediate cardiologist. So he's obviously in and around death in itself. And while he does every now and listen to my podcast, he has a different uh, perspective on, on on life and different things and stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, but one of the things he did say to me is, you know, the time that we do lose people, he's like, you can tell they're gone. And he's not one to kind of get into the, you know, the, the deep, you know, spiritual, spiritual. conversation mm-hmm. about that. But he's like, look, you can tell when somebody's coming on the board, you can tell almost that you can save them. But he's like, when people are gone, they're gone. Like there, you can see that there's nothing that's there. That's, that's, you can save. It's just a body. You're just hitting it. You just, 
pushing on a body now at this time. Um, and so I think people fear death for a couple different reasons. I'm going to kind of dive into this and how we wrap this into how this liberates you to also go out and live the biggest life in your business, live the biggest life in your personal life, live the biggest life into whatever that means to you. Um, because you no longer fear death and you no longer fear life. And when you no longer fear life, you can live freely. You have liberation for these things. So it's just been fascinating just watching people go through these different emotions from these, um, from celebrating death, just because again, it's that transformation of energy. And, and also watching bodies and versus looking at a photo, you can kind of see the liveliness in the photo in itself that's there. When a child has a fear of a monster being in the closet, we instantly see that and go, oh, that's silly, Hallie, because Hallie still has that problem, right? She still thinks there's a monster in the closet, right? No, sometimes. When, sometimes. But when there's a child in there, you're like, man, it's still silly. There's no monster in the closet. And you're like, yeah. but I can't sleep. There's a monster in the closet like there. And what do you do? You grab the child, you walk them over there, you hold their hand, you open the closet. They're like behind you, right? Like, like you're going to open up and there's going to be like a monster there. We open it up and there's nothing there. And you go, see, there's nothing there. There's nothing to be afraid of, mm-hmm. right? The fact that when a child sits there and goes, I'm afraid of what's in the closet. It's not what's in the closet that's making them afraid. It's the imagination that's tied to the fear. They're not imagining a monster that's going to come out and hug them and give them presents, right? Because that would be a different feeling. You can imagine positive feelings just so you can imagine negative feelings. Naturally, we tend to imagine things that are more negative than more positive, right? Either one of them are still imagination, right? Just understand that. But when we we as adults do the exact same thing as a child looking in the closet. And we just do this in psychological terms of, wow, what are they thinking about me? What clothes are they, are they looking at? How am, I, how am I portrayed? What did I just say to this? What is the disturbance? Like, what is going to happen if I fail here? That, there's no difference. Understand that. Until somebody walks you over there and says, look, hey, if you fail, I promise you'll be yourself still. You're, still, you're not going to go anywhere. The sun's still going to come up, right? And so this imagination that gets wrapped into fear is what really paralyzes people. So when, when you have this imagination that's tied to death, right? Because the death itself, and you have this fear that I am no longer going to exist and that you have this fear of this unknown. It's not death in itself that happens this. But understand, so if you think about this from a different place and you, and you say, okay, well, in Zen Buddhism, they talk a lot about um, your, your being in this physical world is to resolve birth, life, and death. Right to resolve birth, life, and death, and when you what, what, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm gonna explain it. So, birth means that you're you're not. It's not a new beginning. You like you don't just all of a sudden like poof out of nowhere come into this and born and like you're just created instantly. The physical body is created instantly. That's why I went back to the story. The physical body can also die, but you, the person listening to this, the consciousness, life, God, whatever word makes sense for you, is always is already alive. It's already part of life. Right. And so that when it comes into birth, it's just transforming its energy into a new source. Right. And then in life, people think we have these stable bodies that like it's nothing changing. Well, go watch a child grow up. They're changing instantly. Go look in the mirror or go look at a picture of you 20 years ago today. You changed. Everything in life is constantly growing and changing. Just like I think it's like, and maybe Kaylin can fact check this, right? Um, but I think it's like every like every seven years, your your body changes over all the cells in your body. Right. It's somewhere around there, yeah. right? Just mm-hmm. plus or minus maybe a couple years. A couple years. But, but, whatever. <laughs> but you just transform. So you just change this. You change your whole body in this. And so it's everything is in constant change. And then we get to death and we think like there's a finite, it ends. And, well, it doesn't. What happens is just a transfer of energy. Yes, the energy or the life form that takes the physical body, we mourn that 
that energy that it's taken and we love the person that it's become while they're serving that thing. But it's not, it's not ending. It doesn't just stop. Just like it doesn't, it's not just born, you're just there. When the physical body ends, you can do that. So when I talk about celebrating death, right? You're, it's never a, an ending period of this. You just transform your energy. Like ice transforms into water. It's never this. I mean, when's the last time that you saw a wave six feet above the ocean, right? You don't. A wave manifests itself from the ocean. And then when it hits the wave, remember a lot of times our life is riding this wave and we hit the sand, it crashes back. There's never, the, there's never a different amount of water. It's always the same amount of water. It's just individually manifesting. That's how we think about this. So when we think about why people fear death and, 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 and do this, it's because of this imagination around that we're going to lose something, that we need to have something. Well, if death is truly our greatest teacher, it takes all of these things that you think you need. Right, think about all the stuff that you think you need in your life right now. Um, from a business standpoint, I have a certain amount of money. I've got a certain amount of clothes. Got a certain amount of car. I have all these different things. Death will take that away from you in a heartbeat, right? And you continue to live beyond that as your energy source. But we, when we, when you're so tied, I'm gonna keep going down this. When you're so tied to this created image of what you think you need to be whole, death will always paralyze people and fear will always paralyze people. So what we've done is we've created this abstract identity in our minds. And so this voice is always telling you what to agree with and what not to agree with, doesn't it, right? Every day it tells you, you like this, you don't like this, you like this model, you like this business model, like these different things. And it's also, um, so it's telling you how to kind of live this world. So when people talk about waking up, you're waking up from the voice telling you how to live your life and experiencing it. Think about it from this example, whereas most people their entire life are reading a menu and mistaking that for the meal. So it's like this entire life, they're, they're reading about this meal that you're going to have, but you never experienced the meal. And that's what happens when you live in your mind, when you live in the abstract part, when you live mind, live in that self-identity, when you live in the ego, whatever word kind of resonates with you there, all that you're doing is you're constantly narrating yourself to preconditioned thinking or the mind telling you what to think and what to like and what not to like, which is the same thing as reading a menu, thinking that you actually ate the meal. Well, you can't even come close to the, the same thing. Reading a meal, like how do, you, how do you explain somebody what water tastes like without actually tasting water? You have to be able to actually taste water to actually experience it. So when you are living this mind or living the abstract and you're constantly in that form identity, yes, you will fear death because that's what your mind is telling you. Your ego is always telling you that you, in order for you to survive or if you to live, you've got to create this identity. Well, liberation or waking up is realizing that you don't actually have to listen to that and you can actually go eat the meal. You can actually go experience life, go drink the water, go be the wave that manifests back into the ocean. And as you start to experience that, you take on a whole nother part of you in life. And the really fascinating thing is business gives us this opportunity every single day to get out of our minds and to experience the moment, to experience you know, somebody leaving you, right? To experience somebody coming on board with you, to experience success, to experience a loss in profit, to experience a, you know, a surge in growth to experience a stagnation time. All of them is, I mean, not every meal tastes the same, but you get to experience all the meals and you taste it. That's the point of business is it gives you this opportunity to experience life at a different level. The problem is, is most of us can't even come close to experiencing it because we're living in a prison 
that has all these walls and we're sitting in a cell and somebody hit record on a tape recorder and we're listening to the same tape over and over and over again instead of actually getting outside the prison walls and experiencing what the tape is saying to you. But it's fascinating because we all get so caught up in this that we actually think we're experiencing life, but you're not. And so when we, use, when we think about personal growth through business success, we think about using business as this opportunity to uh, let go of ourselves or to experience these things. If you are trying to control and manipulate every experience that's happening in the business world for you, you're never going to experience this. And you're never going to, look, I love words. They're all just, their thoughts, their objects, their signposts. Even the language that we're using now is still thinking, right? And whether you actually even agree with me or disagree with me right now, doesn't matter because if you agree with me, you're still thinking. <laughs> if you disagree with me, you're still thinking. Instead of actually, I would much rather you take away from this, this episode in particular of taking away of going, man, I need to actually, I have this yearning and this deep curiosity for experiencing life. And so when you can get to that level of just truly experiencing life, you get outside of the mind, you start to strengthen your position in the seat of consciousness. So you're no longer pulled into that tape recorder in the prison walls going over and over and over again, conditioning your happiness, conditioning your life, conditioning your experiences, instead of actually substituting it for the real experience in itself. And so when you're able to do all of this and you can pull it together, remember, life spirituality in the business context isn't about changing what you do. It's changing what part of you is doing it. So it doesn't mean you're going to change your routine. It doesn't mean you're going to change any time of time that you're allocating the business. What's going to change is your ability of how you show up. And so one of the examples that we love to give is like when people show up in their office and they drive into the parking lot and are you walking in there trying to get something that fits that abstract, that mental model, the voice inside your head telling you how life should be, or are you walking into your office saying, how can I show up and serve life? How can I show up and serve my partners? How can I show up and serve my clients? It doesn't change your footsteps from the car to the parking lot. It doesn't change your time that you're in the business. What changes is what part of you is doing it. And the reason why it's so critical is because going back to, because if you don't change that part of you is doing it, all you're doing is reading the menu your entire life until one day when death starts to come, which is why we started this conversation with death is our greatest teacher. When it starts to come, you go, I need one more week. I need one more week. Well, you know, if you ask that of death, that's going to say, I gave you 52 weeks the last year. Why do you need one more? Why well, didn't live my life? I didn't experience it. Yeah. Cause you've been living mine. So when we realize that death is our greatest teacher, it shows us because it takes everything away from us in terms of what we think we need. And so what we think we need all this stuff, we have to make it away. Death will take that in an instant. And nobody knows when that's going to happen. So instead of thinking about death or not even talking about it, like most people won't even like, it's funny because you have funerals. Some people don't even like to even talk about death. And I'm sitting there like, I'm like, death is great. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, celebrate it. Like the guy's dead. Okay. We can't change that. He's awesome. He's dead. He's transferring his energy. It's great. You're going to die too. <laughs> Not everyone agrees with it. They just, they see it differently, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually one of my questions is how do you have those conversations that you just said with people who aren't necessarily where you're at without seeming completely insensitive yeah. to, to, to where they're at? I love it. So when um, the most recent death that we had, I went up and I sat with the spouse who had been a spouse for 70 years of this individual. And I basically just said in a very short and equated version of this. I just said that you're an incredible soul and so isn't he. And his energy is now transferred to something that he's now with you in just a different way. 
and he's now with you in a different capacity. He didn't die, he changed. And so that's just the language and the voices that I've always kind of have that very similar script when I go to a funeral because everyone else is my condolences, my condolences. I want to actually give somebody where they can take away and have a sense of different feeling from them. I said, and I just went on to tell them, feel him, feel his presence. It's there. No, of course it's there. I can feel it. Not in your head. And you can say, well, Adam, this is some you know, metaphysical dream that you're having that you can just create that. You can believe that. There's also this sense that you know that you're this consciousness, that you know that there's something more, that until your mind starts telling you that recording, right, of telling you what to think, what not to think, right? Before that's before that, there's a space that you can feel that is there. It's kind of like when you go back to the body. The body, when it's alive, you can see that it's there. So having that conversation with people around death is just also truly meaning it, right? I firmly believe this. And so you can have that conversation easier with people. And what I found is it takes courage to say that because you want to stay traditional norms. I'm sorry for you. And the first couple of times I would go up to him, I actually tried it out, right? I said it for one of the first times to an individual who just lost their 19-year-old son. Right. And I and I start off by saying there's a gift in this. And that takes a lot of courage when you tell that to a son, because if somebody said that to me, I would when my son died, it would be tough. But then I I I I framed the whole conversation before I said that with what I just said. That look, he's still with you. There's still a transfer of energy. Can't you feel him? And you're just giving people this opportunity. And so why this is so important is because when you no longer fear death, this permeates in the rest of your life. You no longer fear experiences. If somebody's going to leave you, let them leave you. If somebody's going to come with you, have a beautiful experience coming with you, right? I was just on a podcast earlier recording and people said, well, how do you, you, know, how do you deal with people coming and going in your environment? I said, well, if they're with you for two or three years and serve them beautifully, right? Serve them beautifully. If they want to go, help them pack, right? It's, it's, you, you don't get so tied to, it's not even your right to tell them what they want to do. So serve them in that way. And I've always tried to take that attitude with it. It's like, if you're here and you're there, I'm going to give you everything I have while you're here with me because I think you can help somebody's life to all these contexts much more. Some people get so upset in the business world. Like, I put all this time and energy in this person, they leave. I understand that. I understand where you're coming from. It's not fun to necessarily lose somebody. It's a, well, let me phrase that. It's a different experience, right? It's a different experience to do that. However, if the person's leaving, what good does it do for you? It doesn't mean you don't fight for them. It doesn't yeah, mean you, you don't know I was gonna try to that. get them. I <laughs> yeah. know, right? It doesn't mean you don't increase their pay or find a way to create them or get a moat around them. Do all of that. I'm not saying doing that. But when it's, when it's time and it's gone, you sitting there being upset is not going to help you. You sitting there having animosity against that person for using you as a stepping stone or taking all your energy and doing all this stuff is not helping you. However, so that's why if you look and then you go to death, right? In these situations say, well, if I were to die today, would this matter? Would this really matter? And I use that a lot in the business context. Like if I were to die right now, or if I had a week to live, would I even be thinking about this? The answer is no, you wouldn't. So death is this greatest teacher because it, it, it gets us out of our minds. And that's, I guess the, the, the point of this is I want people to take away this deep curiosity for experience. And not the deep curiosity of what the mind is constantly telling you. That's just a thought. It's just a, an energy ball. There's a whole bunch more to living that's beyond all of this. And so when we, when we can use death as our greatest teacher in making life precious in terms of the physical life that we're here, it gives us this opportunity to feel liberated. It gives us this opportunity that we don't need to control the world. We don't give us this opportunity that we can go out there and, and strive for huge goals in business without the fear 
of losing something without the fear of thinking that we need to create this. So all I'm doing is going to the root of the problem, right? Of working on death and allowing that to extract through the rest of your life so that you start getting out of your mind and stop thinking that you need this voice to tell you exactly what to do each section of the way, how life should be, if somebody screws you or not screws you, all this stuff. It's just causing inner turmoil. So how do we like use that concept of death is our greatest teacher? How do you harness that every day without using your mind? Well, the mind is a beautiful thing, right? And so I love, just like I'm using words now, I think the thoughts and words are awesome signposts, right? They nudge people in the direction to its curiosity. They give us this opportunity to, look, using and finding a creative way to say something through words is amazing. And it's a beautiful experience. I love all of those things. It's when we mistake that for the actual experience and live there is where there's a problem. So thoughts, words are practical. They're in context. You need them, whether you're what we're doing right here in this podcast, or whether you're setting a a vision for your goal or a vision for your family or having conversation with your kid, you need words as context to help nudge them along. But most people are still thinking that the, if you're intellectual, you're thinking like, I got this, I, I intellectually understand this and you're mistaking it. And so what you do is you just, you get behind all of that and realize that there's a greater gift in this. I'm still trying to wrap my, yeah, wrap my head around how the, the power of using the mind, right? To mm-hmm. have these conversations that we're having or to use death as kind of a sign, a signpost to live your, your best life and your, your full life. Or even the, the whole piece about curiosity. To me, curiosity is a very intellectual um, experience or endeavor. So how do you get yourself out of the mind in those instances in order to actually experience what you're saying without using the mind or with using the mind? I mean, how do, how do you balance those two things? Well, have you ever had a thought that comes in that comes from a different place than your mind talking to you? Like there's a deeper, have you, I mean, if you haven't, that's well, fine. Like, have you, I'd like, have to think about it, but <laughs> of course, right. I'd have to think about it. Um, I'm thinking like, right. Like you have like something like instinctual yes. sort of impulse, positive or negative Yes, that might, you know, spark a certain action. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so how do you tap into that though? Because exactly what we're talking about. All of this. <laughs> I'd stuff like to is, tap into that a lot yes, more. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why you know you hear a lot of you know, it, it, and when you're when you're tapping into that, what drains somebody's energy gives you energy, right? It's like you just work in the center where you can keep going for longer periods of time because you're operating from a different place. You're not using all of this energy to try to create. You have like this this identity, this abstract world that has to be this way. And then you try to fill everything in it. You're constantly using 95% of your energy towards that. As that you start to let go of, you have these deep-seated thoughts and and that come in there, that form themselves in the thoughts. And then you go, oh, that's cool. Let me experience this. Now, thoughts are bad, but remember, when you're experiencing something, you're experiencing the moment. If you're in the moment and your mind's going, this isn't right, it shouldn't be this way, I need to do this, you're no longer experiencing the moment. That's where thoughts get in the point. Something is dramatic going to happen in your life, just use big events, right? And you're in your mind trying to narrate the situation. That's the menu versus eating. And that's, that's, that's the problem is that when we're going through experiences, we're actually having the experience. We're just not experiencing it because we're in our minds narrating the experience. And so when you can let go of that part, because you're trying to narrate the experience because you've created this identity that you need to control. And, and that, so, to, but how do you, how do you do that? 
How do you get I behind under, all that? Yeah, I was going to say, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and, you do? Because yes. awesome if you do. But then how do you actually, right, intellectually get it? Yes. How do I actually do that? Well, what I mean, are the steps I need well, to take? I know. In well, order and people, to do it. And a lot of times yeah. it's, it's interesting because if you're more intellectual like you are, you'll naturally go to where's the roadmap? Right. That's what Where I want. is this very clear? That is the mind. I know. The mind wants that roadmap instead of just going, let me, you just got to get behind. And it's. But then how do you learn how to do those things if you, I mean, how did you learn how to do it? Well, you can use, they're all signposts. And I'm just very aware of when my mind's going, just look, it's not like my mind shuts up, right? My mind's doing the exact same thing. It's just you just use words as signposts as to kind of nudge you in the direction. It's just what you have to really understand is you can't substitute the thinking, the thoughts, the voices in your head, right? Even the emotions for the experience. And I know that sounds... I get. I, I yeah. totally understand you. I just want to experience it. You may just have to honestly go to yourself and say, I can't figure this out intellectually. I'm going to let it go. And I just give me the, just let me have the experience. And if experience happens, it happens. Some people are trying to fight so much. They're, well, here's what it is, actually. Here's what it is. You're looking so much outwardly for the experience. You're trying to grasp the experience in itself. You are the experience. You yourself are trying to go out there and saying, okay, give me this. I'm grabbing this coffee cup. I'm going to make this. That's going to be my experience. It's going to be underneath the Christmas tree. It's going to come down for me. It's going to be, where is it? Where is it? You're looking for it in the physical world. So when you feel that yourself going like narrating or, or kind of trying to hold on or grasp onto the experience, what do you, what do you do to let go? Is there something you tell yourself real quick and then, and you've just learned how to identify it quickly and let go more quickly than... Like I, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's three, two, one, relax. It's also meditation for me. I mean, it's, it's an everyday thing. It helps strengthen your ability to be seated in the seat of self, which keeps you in a position of not being attached to those voices, not being attached to the emotions. And then you start to realize that you are the water. You're not a fish in the water. You are the water. It's like, you know, in, in, in Buddhism, they talk about how people like they're practicing it they're searching, searching, they're doing deep meditation trees, they're searching for all this stuff. And then one day they have the experience of realizing they are Buddha. <laughs> they are the water. They've been looking for it outside. It's been inside. And now intellectually you go, well, I understand that. But again, you're reading the menu. You're, you're listening to the menu and you're thinking that it's still outside. It is the consciousness. So when we think about who you are, it's you are the one who's experiencing all the experiences. And understand that consciousness is going to be there regardless of whether or not you're conscious of consciousness. It's just going to be behind you. That's what death is showing us. Death, when there's just a body that's sitting there, there's no consciousness in it anymore, right? There's, there's no there. If all of a sudden you woke up tomorrow and you had no recollection of who you are, you would still be conscious. Like you didn't know like whose watch is this? Whose room am I in? Where am I? I have no idea. You'd still be conscious, but you have no... Imagine if you woke up tomorrow, Hallie. You woke up tomorrow, literally, and you had no self-created identity or preconditioned thoughts about who you were. What would that feel like? I mean, I honestly can't even imagine imagine that. I know because you've, we, it's hard to because isn't it? not yeah, hundred percent because I I am who I am based on this identity I have created. So that would feel like a loss to me. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know if that's I wouldn't right remember. Or wrong. Maybe I wouldn't remember it. Well, if you didn't remember, and you just woke up and you'd still. But my point is, you'd still be conscious. There'd still be the. But what does you, that mean? Like you'd be you would be experiencing the experience. 
sure. and still be okay. experienced instead of experiencing just the, ex- the experience of life, which is what I'm trying to get everyone to understand through business, right? Just to experience the experience of it. You've now wrapped yourself up into, or people have wrapped themselves up. We've all wrapped ourselves up into this identity about trying to control that. So we're here instead of being back here. We're actually became the fish instead of the water. And we are the water the whole time, yet we're a fish looking for the water, <laughs> right? You're looking for the water, you're looking for the water, and you realize all along you are the water. And so when you, when, that's why those analogies are good, or like you're trying to describe what thirst tastes like, right? That's just another one that's really, you can understand, people can, can intellectually at least understand. Now look, you're not going to all of a sudden get this, or maybe you listen to this and something changes inside you. All of it is just, it's literally this sequential path to this process. If you just keep driving a wedge, the best thing I can describe is like driving a wedge in between your thinking and your thoughts and who you are. Just start there. And as it starts to happen, that separation, that strength of sitting in who you are starts to do it. And then all of a sudden you start to see these experiences like, wow, look at, look at this. This is a, this is a cool experience. And I think business is one of the most fascinating ways to do this. I think business is because it gives us so many opportunities to grow and let go of that preconditioned part because so much in business is uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. That's why when you think about business as a, you've heard, I've heard it say like, hey, I've created a social experiment in business, right? As Gary Keller likes to say, right? I've, it's just a social experiment. I didn't really care what came in there. And in essence, that's what he's saying is that like, I'm just here for the experience of it all. And so I can I experience this, then you no longer have the fear of getting a fear of success or fear of failure. When you, when you can really let go of death and understand that, and have the conversation and celebrate it, the little fears along the way go away. So instead of attacking each fear with the imagination that we could do and apply psychology to that and, you know, and, and whatever you want to do there, go to the root of this and go to the very heart of all of this and understand you're going to die. Right? There's, you're not going to escape that. But death is not an end. And we've just, we instantly hear the word death, which is just a word in itself, by the way. Mm-hmm. And we instantly, we associate that with ending. But it's not. It's just a transformation of energy. Yes, the identity that's been created that you may love and you may mourn that identity that life took is gone. No doubt about that. We're not diminishing what that feels like. It feels heavy, right? It's still an experience that all of us in our lives, you're listening to this, have probably experienced death at some point in our lives, meaning that somebody around us has. Mm -hmm. And guess what? (laughs) You're going to get to experience that firsthand too of what it's like to transfer that energy. Where, Where does the energy go? back to life. Where's a wave that crashes onto the, to the sand? Where does it go? Back into the ocean. Back into the ocean. It's the same thing. So that's why fundamentally when you're a spiritual being, you're, you're, you're a being, you're part of this life, God. When I think of God, I think of God as everything. Like just, just it's just a word. It's not like a person, at least my opinion is not. Um, and that's how I believe it. It's just life, consciousness, world, energy, whatever that is. And you just, you just become an individual manifestation of it. And you just, and the reason why it is, it's almost like all of the people that are here are here to experience it. So the whole consciousness behind it all gets to experience every single of the billions of people that are out there get to experience that <laughs> because they can't experience it when they're the, when they're the conscious and when you're all of it behind you, all the people that are here on earth are sharing this experience that everybody gets to experience when you're behind it all. And so it's almost like you come into the physical world and you get to experience, man, it's just, it's as you embark on your journey, this will make more and more sense. It's just, I can, it's so, you get to, you get to the finer and finer parts of life. It's like, you know, in this example, I was sitting in a meeting that we were actually doing, actually in the meeting, and I've mentioned this, I don't know if I've ever actually talked to you about it. Um, I was looking at the individual and I was like staring at them, forgetting about what they were even saying. And I was like, I, 
can see like the con and as I can you can see beyond. I can see that there's a physical body there, but instantly you could see the sap that's in the tree. You can see the consciousness that's in a human being. And you stop seeing people as human beings in terms of the physical side and part of consciousness. And that's when people talk about you see everything as one. You start to literally see, you don't see the tree. Yes, you physically can see it. And I can see that there's a branch and there's different things where you can see somebody's physical hair or their attributes, but there's something deeper than that. And that's why Maharshi, Ramaharshi will always carry a flower around because he goes, this is a beautiful flower, but that's not what I see. I see the sap. That's the consciousness. That is the life that gives the flower that experience. And so <laughs> when we think about all of these experiences that we can have, when we think about death, when we think about how we want to just be okay inside, how we want to use businesses conduit for growth. If you can just work on this again, whether you believe me or don't believe me or believe is not the right word, whether you agree or disagree, doesn't matter. It's still your mind telling you what to agree with or what not to agree with. What I want you to take away, which I've repeated is I want you to take away, how do I experience the next moment? And then again, you'll get pulled back into it. It's not like it's going to last forever, but man, if you just, the minute you get that wedge in there, that one time, it's like if you ever skied or played the piano or, you know, maybe you've swam before, like professionally, not professionally, but just like for like a tour, you've done something where you've been trying, you're like, this doesn't feel right. All of a sudden you get the feeling of it mm-hmm. and then you can never not get it away. It's like riding a bike. You crash, you crash and crash. And all of a sudden you get the feeling of riding a bike. You can pick up a bike and ride it, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing in life is once you get that one experience of it, it's over because now your entire life becomes about maximizing the experience of the experiencer, which is you. And that's why I believe death is our greatest teacher because it makes life precious in the fact of, I know that I'm not going to be here. I know that I'm not, we are constantly changing. We could die today or tomorrow in hundred years, mm-hmm. but death is that teacher to wake you up and say, live your life by experiencing it, not living your life through thoughts, not living your life through thinking, Live your life through the experience and your entire life will change. Not what you do, not who you're with, but how you do it. And if you can approach it from that angle, you start to gain liberation. You actually start to gain true freedom. People get into business for freedom, right? They get into business. I understand there's a time freedom. Awesome. I love it just as much as everybody else does. I understand there's a money freedom. Love that too as well. But business meets spirituality is about that ultimate freedom about the freedom that you can get through the business world by getting behind all of that. Yes, experiencing the time freedom. Yes, experiencing the money freedom. Yes, experiencing the physical freedom, right? all those things. Experience it. But understand you are the experiencer experiencing it. And I think that if we constantly bring in that conversation of death, not in a morbid way, but in a change of energy, you might as well experience everything before your energy change. That's kind of how I approach life. I'm like, man, I better just go get that experience. And it's not, you know, I had this conversation with my hairdresser yesterday. <laughs> it's like we have a spiritual, she's funny because she's like a very spiritual person um, and, uh, and she doesn't come necessarily across from it, but she really is engaged in our conversations. And she's like, I went and got my haircut by somebody else the other day, um, like two months ago. And she's like, hmm, I need you back. And she actually went and I actually thought I was going to the other person. She had switched me back to her because she wanted to have this conversation um, about spirituality awesome. and, and um, now I forget what I was even going to say about the whole story, but it was, it was something along those, those lines that we were, oh, it was, she said, well, she goes, she, I said, well, how are you doing your inward journey? And um, she said, well, I think I just need more experiences or something along those lines. I said, you don't need more experiences. I said, you need more depth of your experience. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't need, I said, she said, I want to travel. I said, that's not a new experience. 
Have you gone to a new place in the last five months? Yes, I walked in a new store. That's a new experience. What you're saying is you want more depth of experience in there. And it's the same thing. When you go travel to a new place, you're thinking that you're going to get a new experience. You've already experienced new places. <laughs> You've experienced That's new true. vacations. You've experienced it all the time. What you're saying and people don't realize is I want more depth of experience. And that's what we're getting at. And that's what business is getting at. It's not about experiencing more money. It's about the depth of experience about who you can become from all of that. And that's the gift that business will give to you if you allow it. Before I sign off here, folks, I want to let you know about an awesome program I'm offering right now. It's called Project U. And look, it's a year-long full immersion training for leaders and high achievers. In it, I lead a small group of people just like you through life-changing experiences designed to help you lead yourself and your business to a higher level. Enrollment is open for a short period of time before the program kicks off in March of 2020. Head over to adamhergenrother.com, that's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R, or shoot us an email at hello at adamhergenrother.com for more details. And remember, never give up on joy.